the number of patients getting gender-affirming surgeries nearly tripled from 2016 to 2019, then dropped when the pandemic hit in 2020, according to a study published Wednesday in JAMA Network Open. The most common operation was top surgery, and most patients undergoing procedures were between 19 and 30 years old. The new data comes as dozens of states move to ban gender-affirming care for minors, and a few seek restrictions for people of all ages. This is Pulse Check. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. The South Carolina Supreme Court ruled 4-1 to on Wednesday to uphold the state's six-week abortion ban, clearing the way for it to take effect. The court struck down a similar ban earlier this year, but took a different stance after its sole female justice retired and was replaced by Republican state lawmakers, making it the only all-male state Supreme Court in the country. South Carolina was one of the last states in the South that allowed abortions into the second trimester. FDA Commissioner Robert Califf called for Congress to give his agency more power to tackle drug shortages, something the House and Senate may debate when they return from recess in September. In a speech this week, Califf also called on lawmakers to direct more money toward the FDA's new authority to oversee cosmetic products, power that Congress granted the agency for the first time last year. And a debate is heating up in Congress over proposed changes to high-deductible insurance plans. Supporters say the bills would make plans more affordable, but critics say they would undermine coverage for lower-income families. Political healthcare reporter Ben Leonard is here to explain. Thanks for having me. So what is the debate in Congress right now about high-deductible insurance plans? Congress is going to come back in a few weeks. What are they working on? We should probably take a step back first. In 2003, Congress allowed high-deductible health plans to have these health savings accounts. And these plans have been around for about 20 years now. And they essentially have a high-deductible, obviously, as the name says. And they allow you to put away a certain amount of money every year in these health savings accounts to be used tax-free on either health spending now or to be taken out during retirement. The thinking behind it at first was sort of to disincentivize people from using unnecessary care to sort of have skin in the game. And now sort of the thinking has evolved over the years in terms of preventative care. But both sides of the aisle sort of agree that we should be encouraging people to seek care to get preventative care that can potentially reduce costs down the road. So right now, because of this, some lawmakers on both sides of the aisle are trying to expand the sorts of care that these high deductible plans can cover. So extensions of telehealth, expanded access to care through the end of 2024 in the most recent spending bill, and they're now trying to make that access permanent. And a number of lawmakers are also trying to codify expanded access to certain chronic care services. So they're trying to allow patients to get more sorts of care that they see as high value and can save costs in the long run. This push has received some skepticism, though, from some top Democrats, including Lloyd Doggett of Texas of the Ways and Means Committee. His concerns are that it's primarily benefits it's the wealthy who can afford to take on more risk given the high deductible. So those are sort of the two main sides of it that we've been seeing so far. And is this mainly a Republican push? I can sort of see why the more skin in the game sort of personal responsibility framework would be something we're hearing more on the right. But is there a bipartisan interest in this as well? 
fairly broad bipartisan interest in the House. And there's been some Democratic support, not insignificant, including from Earl Blumenauer of Oregon, who's a progressive. So kind of across the ideological spectrum, there is some support here, although it is House Republicans that are leading the charge and putting this on forward generally. We haven't seen a full House vote yet, and we haven't seen action in the Senate on it yet, but we can expect some level of interest, particularly on the telehealth portion, because lawmakers did extend that through the end of 2024 already in the most recent spending package. What are the pros and cons for patients with these kinds of plans? So much of Obamacare was about expanding the sort of baseline of what insurers have to cover rather than having sort of skimpier but cheaper plans being more of an option. On the pro side, if you're sort of young and or healthy, can help reduce costs for you because, you know, you won't be paying as much in premiums necessarily. But it's also riskier if you potentially get in an accident or have some other health problem developed that could be costly. So those are sort of the back and forth. And another benefit is that you get to stash away some money tax free for retirement. But some Democrats have argued that that's sort of unfairly advantaging the wealthy and that lower income people can't really afford to be in these sorts of plans. And what do we know about how these plans impact health outcomes? You know, you mentioned that it can be a barrier towards people getting care that they maybe really need and having to pay out of pocket in order to meet the deductible. So there's limited evidence so far on this. There isn't a ton of data that's been made available publicly. But from what we have seen, there are some studies showing some worse outcomes for people on these high deductible HSA plans for some chronic conditions. Although it's not super extensive, we've seen some studies, but it's not definitive by any means. And what will you be watching when Congress comes back in September? I think we could see a vote on these in the House at some point. There's not as much urgency on the telehealth one because it has already been extended through the end of 2024. As we know, Congress likes to act when there's a deadline and we're not near the deadline yet. But it it could be part of some sort of health care package if one of those ends up hitting the floor at some point. Thanks so much for explaining this. And we will be checking back as things unfold on Capitol Hill. Thanks so much for having me. Definitely will keep following this. And that's our show. Our music is by the mysterious Breakmaster Cylinder. Afra Abdullah is our producer. Annie Reese is our senior producer. Our healthcare team editors are Eli Reyes, Dan Goldberg, Barbara Van Tyne, Beth Belton, and Sean Zeller. I'm Alice Miranda Olstein. Subscribe and follow Pulse Check for a new episode every day. And subscribe to our newsletters where you can read this reporting. Pulse, Future Pulse, and Prescription Pulse. Thanks for listening.